Welcome to the Live Point Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired by this message. What's up, Live Point? How you guys doing? God bless you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad each and every one of you are here. You matter, right? It matters if you're here. It matters if you're not here. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. We're so thrilled that you're here too. Drop us a little note in the comments. Let us know where you're watching from. And uh, God bless you guys. Man, it's an exciting time to be alive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is exciting time to be alive. We have the promise with us, and we are carrying it, and now we just got to share it, right? And that's, that's what I hope is going on in your lives. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at LifePoint, and I am so thrilled to be home from the east to the west. Home is the best, right? There's no place like home. I was in two different churches in the last two weeks, and in five years, I've never done that. I've never missed two Sundays in a row. And I've never felt more comfortable to do that. Can we give it up for the staff here at LifePoint? That's incredible, incredible people. All of the leaders, all of the volunteers that make it happen. Hundreds of volunteers every week making it happen. And, uh, of course, you guys being here and just joining in with us. I see that uh, we still have some seats. That means some of you haven't brought one. You know what I'm talking about? Each one? All right, so you know, right? So what's going on? That's the question, is what's going on? Why have you not brought anybody? That's the question. We want to make sure that each one brings one. Let's fill these seats up for Jesus. Amen. He's coming back, and I'm excited about it. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to my wife. Listen, you, you guys know the rocket, you know. She preached a women's conference last Saturday and blew it up. It was amazing. She made... She made so much of Jesus in her preaching. I was just blown away. I cried in the first session. It was me and like hundreds of women. And that's, that's probably why I was crying. But the other part is because Jesus was glorified. And I'm so proud of her and what, how the Lord is using her in, in this season. A couple more things before we get to it. While, I, while I'm talking, you can turn in your Bibles in, to the book of Job. It's Job. It's not Job. It's Job. For those of you who don't do any Bible study, turn to the book of Job, and then also kind of mark that, and then you can turn over to the New Testament in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be there in the first chapter in just a minute. Job chapter 9, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, but I want to tell you in a couple things. Next week, we're going to have our year-end offering. Now, some of you say, well, don't you take an offering every week? Yes. This is a year-end offering. This is above and beyond. I want you to listen to what God says. If he says, don't give anything, don't give one thing. He says to give a million dollars, give a million dollars, right? <laughs> uh, but whatever he says, I want you to do. And here's why we do this. This actually goes above and beyond extra because we do above and beyond extra this month. We're giving a whole bunch of money away for foster care and adoption agencies, food programs. We're going to give even more. I've already told my wife yesterday and, and a couple of the staff that, hey, we're going to help in, in Kentucky. Man, those people lost everything. We're going to help. I don't know if we're sending a team. We're certainly sending money. That's at a minimum. Um, they lost everything coming into Christmas, and we want to help out. So that, that takes money to do that. And I want to appreciate your, your faithful giving week in and week out. But whatever the Lord leads you to next week, just make sure that you mark it year-end offering. We'll make sure that it gets to the right places. Um, Christmas. Christmas. I wasn't here for the kickoff. Pastor Gus killed it. Pastor Juan killed it the week before. Just amazing messages. I listened to him. Every year in South Florida, I struggle to get here mentally because it's 84 degrees outside. And then I flew up to Augusta, Georgia, where it was like 28 degrees when I got there. And I was like, now I know why I live in South Florida. We're heading back. 
I was there like 36 hours and on the plane back home. Let's go home where it's warm. But mentally, we, if, if I'm not careful, that I'll let weather dictate, you know, my Christmas celebration. That doesn't happen because I'm disciplined in my understanding of what Christmas is all about. If we'll really understand what Christmas is all about, it will change everything in our lives. And it won't be Christmas one day a year or one season a year. It'll be Christmas every day of our lives. Now, we've got some Grinches in the house right now. I know that. Some of you are like, oh, I hate Christmas. I, get, I walk into to BJ's and they've already got Christmas decorations out in October. Shame on you. Shame on you. We are celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that God sent his son for us. I don't care if you don't want lights out in October. I don't care. We are celebrating Jesus. We're not going to stop. We're only going to turn it up in this next season. I mean, we might have Christmas in June this year. I don't know. We might just invite everybody. Who knows what's going to happen? But I want to make sure that we understand what this is all about. And I think more than ever, I felt the intensity of understanding the incarnation, the, the becoming flesh. Uh, Pastor Gus used the word God became killable last week, right? We knew he wasn't killable before this. He actually became able to bleed. Before his incarnation, he could not bleed. He could not feel what we felt. He could not have been tempted like we were, but he put on flesh for us so that we could have the right model and so that we could have a savior to save us to the abundant life and to all eternity. Don't ever forget that God wants to spend eternity with you. I preached a couple of messages the last couple of weeks and I told this, this story. I picked on social media a little bit. Some of you know this. There's this whole trend going on that people get aggravated or they're frustrated in life and so they say holy spirit activate 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 and see you guys know it right here's the problem with that trend is he already activated <laughs> right? 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost, God sent the Holy Spirit and activated. We don't need him to activate. We need to activate. We already have access to the power. You need to tap into it and do something with it. He has activated. So I want to make sure that we understand that God help us to do something with what you've given us. Otherwise, we're going to sit here for the next however many years waiting for him to come back and not doing anything. That's why there's still empty seats in this room. Because you guys haven't filled them. <laughs> oh, you thought it was my job. <laughs> it is my job, but it's your job too, right? You're evangelists, you're, you're teachers, you're pastors. No, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. <laughs> you better receive. If you know Jesus, then you have a responsibility to help us do that. God, help us to do something, please. Because we're looking around in our society and we see a bunch of people who are broken, who are lost, who are, who are just... They're destitute. They are, they're absolutely destroyed with life. Destroyed with life. And we see this passage. I'm only going to use three verses in Job chapter 9. But what we see is a man whose plight was real. It's not just a, a pericope for us to, to just peruse. It's, it's more than that. This is something that we can understand in our time that there was so much hurt in our world. This is a man who lost everything and he's in a dialogue with friends and he's in a dialogue with God, almost a courtroom setting. At one point God says to him, who are you? Where were you when I created the stars? Where were you when I created everything? You're nothing. 
We understand that as parents sometimes when our kids are like, uh, and we're like, where were you? Why don't you pay some bills or something? You know what I mean? It helps to understand that. And sometimes God's like us because we're like, oh, my life is so hard. There's so much trial. There's so much situation. How many calamities do I have in my life? Where are you, God? Have you forgot about me? And he's like, where were you? I hold your whole life together. You can't breathe without me. I let you breathe and I let you talk to me. Where were you? God cares about you. Don't ever mistake your, 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 your struggles, your trials, your temptations for him not loving you. He loves you and he wants to spend eternity. And by the way, we didn't, we didn't plan this song. Like it just came out that, that he's coming back, church. He's coming back. If that doesn't excite you, then you're all, you're all mixed up. If you're trying to cling to more of this life, you can have this life. Give me Jesus. I'm going home. I'm going home. I can't wait. I can't wait. But until then, right? Until then. Well, Job finds himself in a situation. He's physically sick. He's got boils. And, and, and it's a situation different than our situation because if we have physical ailments, what do we do? Go to the doctor. Right? I've got a sore on my arm. I go to the doctor, and he's like, here's some antibiotic cream and a topical ointment. And here's some pain medicine. And if he has to, he'll dig in there and clean it out and put a vacuum on it. We've got all kinds of technology, things that were death diagnosis years ago, things like, you know, stage four cancer that come up are now treatable. That's incredible where we've come. Thank God for that. Job didn't have that. He didn't have that. So he's sitting there going, uh, this is a lot. <laughs> This is a lot. And he says something that I like to quote often, but I want you to see it in Scripture today. In verse 33, he says this, if, if only there were a mediator between us. If only there was someone who could bridge the gap. If only I had a lawyer who could litigate this thing. If only I could have someone, a doctor, to, to help get me there, the, the right network, the, the right amount of money to, to get me across the bridge. If only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. He's talking to God and about God and fear and reverence and awe that comes with the creator of the universe. And sometimes we feel like that in our shame and in our problems. And maybe some people have told you, you're, you should be shamed. Shame on you. You're not good enough. God doesn't hear your prayers. When in fact, he does, he does hear. He is listening. And this, this cry from Job's heart is what I believe is at the center of our world right now. People might not know it, but they're crying out, they're crying out for a mediator. They think it's in this or that. This thing, that thing is going to save me. They're crying out for a mediator. They just don't know the right one. We happen to know him. His name is Jesus, church. His name is Jesus, right? The title of today's message is Together for the Holidays. One could bring us together. Families long to be together with other family members. Sometimes I... See people during the season. I say, "How are things going?" And so it's going to be amazing. I'm going to have all the kids home, right? All the family's going to be home. Aunts and uncles are coming in. We're going to eat, and it's going to be great. They long for that. Well, Job was longing for that, but he wasn't longing for it for Christmas dinner. He was longing for eternity. 
with God. There's a, there's, there's a carving, there's a stamping in our hearts that there is a creator who loves us and that we are meant to spend every day with him in his presence, worshiping him. And that's going to happen for all of eternity. So you better get used to it now. You better start practicing now because this, this cry, as soon as you drift off that, you start thinking this. So I, hey, I've been out of church for, for a few weeks. I don't know what happened. I drifted off, and then boom, I wish there was somebody who could mediate this thing. What happened? Why did I get myself in trouble? He says the mediator could make God stop beating me. See, this is our human mind that God wasn't beating on Job, right? We just get, we get caught up in the cause and allow. He said I would no longer live in the terror of his punishment. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. Can't even in my own strength muster it up to go like, God, <laughs> like, what's going on? Can you help? This is Job, Old Testament, crying out for this mediator. And again, his name is Jesus. We forget sometimes we say his name in vain. If you do that, stop doing that. I've told you that before. Stop using the name of God in vain. When you use it, it is a, it is a name that demons tremble at. All authority, the name above every other name, the name that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. So when you use it, you use it in that regard. You use it with that reverence. Begin to use it like that, but, but don't be afraid to use it. Don't be afraid to use the name of Jesus. It's the name that saves, right? It's the name that changes the environment. Sometimes I was just like, I'm, I'm feeling something. I literally, it's not, I'm not saying it in vain. I'm saying it with power. I'm like, Jesus, change the situation. Change it, and it changes. When I pray like that, I expect it to change. I don't expect things to stay the same. It's like if things are all weird and it's just like tension going on, I'm like, Jesus, change this right now. Let it be done. And boom, it's done. I'm like, okay, that's how it's supposed to be. Now we can go on. Listen to this. Sidlow Baxter said this, one of my favorite quotes. He said, fundamentally, our Lord's message was himself because God sent him. He did not come here merely to preach a gospel. He himself is that gospel. He did not come merely to give bread. He said, I am the bread. He did not come merely to shed light. He said, I am the light. He did not come merely to show the door. He said, I am the door. He did not come merely to name a shepherd. He said, I am that shepherd. He did not come merely to point to the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we begin to look at this, the same one that, that Job cried out for, this mediator, the bridge between God the Father and us. And I'm too afraid to approach you, and so I, ha- I want to have somebody approach you for me. Becomes a reality when God sends his son out of pure love, crazy, ridiculous love for you. It becomes reality. He, he comes, he puts on flesh. He moves into the neighborhood. Incarnational, missional. He was on mission, he puts on flesh, and he moves into your neighborhood to help you live right. Listen, from the beginning of time, the message was Jesus, right? Still, the message is Jesus. And don't get it twisted, and don't let anybody let you get it twisted by thinking the message is going to change. The message was Jesus, the message is Jesus, and the message will always be Jesus. Get it right. It's simple. Get it inside of you. Make sure you understand it. 
Now let's jump over. Now that we see this, this plight of humanity in the same situation that Job was in, people are in to this day. And by the way, in conversations with people sometimes, you, and people are like, well, I don't believe in God. But if you talk to them long enough, and really if you let them talk long enough, and this is, a, this is actually a strategy for people who want to argue with you, just let them talk. They'll dig their own graves. It's like, well, I don't believe in God. Just give them like that. And then, they, and then they begin to tell you why. And then you find out that they say things like, I don't believe in God, and I'm mad at him too. Yeah, this is essentially what's happening, right? There's something that's happened in life, and they've, they, they've had experienced disappointment in their lives, so I don't believe in God because something bad at me, and, and so I'm mad at him, and I don't believe in him. It doesn't even make any sense. Let people talk themselves into holes. You don't have to, the Lord can defend himself. You know what I mean? He, he takes care of himself. This passage, this pericope here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is an interesting passage, and it's not traditional at all. Maybe you thought I was going to talk about the angel coming to Mary or Joseph and, and telling them that they were going to have a son and he was going to be all this amazing, or Isaiah chapter 9, that we would have all this wonderful counsel, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father, all of, maybe this is not traditional in this, but I want, to, I want to show you what happens when people receive the incarnation of God, what their lives look like. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica, to the Thessalonians here, and he's saying, hey, I want to give you a pat on the back. I want to give you a little applause because... It hasn't been easy for you, but you have lived out the gospel. So good for you. Keep it up. Don't stop. Pour the gas on the fire. Let's go. Verse 1. This is a letter from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We're writing to the church in Thessalonica. To you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for you, for all of you, and pray for you constantly. I really want to pick up here, verse 3. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we have something because of God. They had something. We have something. But as believers, right, when you are a believer in Christ, there should be something that changes. The characteristics of your life, your behaviors need to change. Okay? We need to get that clear. If you're going to serve God and if you're going to declare, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus, something has to change. And what Paul is writing here in verse 3, he's saying, I've seen the change. Good job. Keep it up, right? It's not for you. It's because of our Lord Jesus Christ. What did he see change? The first thing he says is, I see your faithful work. Faithful work. Some of you are workers. You're just workers. I'm not talking about that kind of work. I'm not talking about digging ditches or moving concrete or driving or anything like that or serving in restaurants. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the faithful work, the work that matters, the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, faithfully committing to tell people about Jesus, to living it out, to staying the course, faithfully about that. Is your faithful work, is this real? This labor is a real thing that we need to live out. The second thing is loving deeds. What, is it, what do your loving deeds look like? It's a season of generosity, right? It's a season for random acts of kindness. That's one of my least favorite things in the world is random acts of kindness. You know why? Because they shouldn't be random. <laughs> why are they random? Why aren't we just kind? 
When, when, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Why is that not developing? Why does it have to be Christmas for, for me to buy the guy's coffee at Starbucks? Who cares about Starbucks anyway, right? It's only getting people more caffeinated. They sleep less. You're not even really helping them, actually. Plus, it's like 700 calories for one of those drinks. You're not helping them. Then they got to go buy a gym. You want to help them, buy them a gym membership. Yeah, that'll go over well to the person in front of you. You need a gym membership, right? <laughs> like, what's, it's like, what's wrong with people? No, but, but random acts of kindness should just be our life. Should be our life. You know I like to talk about traffic. How about letting people merge in? Why is it that the, the pride comes over me and I'm like, you're not coming in, buddy? I'm, like, I'm determined. I'm determined, you know, like inching in. Like, listen, I lived in China with 7 million people in Xi'an. I drove in that place. I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. Plus, my car's old, so I don't care. <laughs> it's one of the advantages of this thing, and the Lord is helping me. I tell on myself just for transparency. Faithful work, loving deeds, and enduring hope. Whoa. Some of you have hope. Like, this is a season of hope. Again, why is this a season of hope? I have a life of hope. It is, Paul said, in, in it's like my life verse, Philippians 1, 20, 21, it's my earnest hope and my expectation that in nothing I will be ashamed, but that God will get the glory in my life or death. For me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. It is my earnest hope. That he's going to, he's not just, he's coming back to get us. He's coming back. I believe it. Don't, don't make no mistake about it. Revelation 19 tells us that he's coming back. And it says that the one who is standing by the, 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 the horse, right, his name will be true and faithful. That's who's coming back to get you, true and faithful. Not the fake love of this world. Not the fake stuff that's going on in this world. True and faithful is coming back to get you. And he's coming back soon, so you better get ready. And you better start living like you actually believe it. Enduring hope. Enduring hope. How many got hope if you don't have any endurance? <laughs> right? I got hope on Sunday morning. Oh, man. I get together with friends, and it's like I feel good, and then go back out, and Monday afternoon, I'm ready to kill everybody. Like, I got no hope in humanity. Right? No, our hope is not in humanity anywhere. Our hope is in Jesus. Right? So I'm expecting him to come get me. I'm not expecting the government to come get me. They're not saving me. I don't care about them. Right? We need to get this thing. We need to focus on this. And we need to start having what, what Pastor Travis used to say a lot and some of my other friends say. We need to have less quit and more grit. Right? I mean, Homestead's gritty. Life Point's gritty. That's one of the things that I love about it. We have a lot of grit. We'll just get in there. We'll work it. We'll massage it in. We'll shoehorn it in. We're not going to stop. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. And part of that is the endurance. Stop quitting. Stop quitting just because you had a bad day. Nobody called me. I'm not going to church anymore. Seriously? Right? Nobody called me from Publix. I spend way too much money in there. Right? You know what I mean? They treat me like garbage over there. I still go over there. Right? I think we treat you pretty good when you come in here. And some of you are like, oh, I like to come occasionally. I meet people sometimes. They, they're like, Pastor. I'm like, I've never seen your face ever, bro. <laughs> it happens to me. I'm, I know faces. Like, my wife will tell you I'm a super recognizer. I weird people out sometimes. I've seen people like I met in Tennessee 10 years ago. I'm like, I met you in Tennessee. They're like, you're a weirdo. 
So I know if you attend church here, I know, you know what I mean? Just, just attend and be here. But more than attending church here, serve God. Trust that he has your back no matter what you're going through. Good days, bad days, mountain valleys, people lie about you, your boss is mean, your husband's ugly, whatever it is. Have some enduring hope and faithful, you know, commitment to Christ in this season. Verse 4 says, we know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you. And he has chosen you to be his own people. Remember, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians here. It's important to understand that and how he writes, even though he was a scholar, he was brilliant, he was multilingual. It says in all through Acts that he would show up at the synagogues and he would reason with them. I love that. He would reason. That's how intelligent he was. He would just talk them out of themselves. They don't spin them up. And in the end, I mean, when he stood before Agrippa, Agrippa said, man, you, Paul, you're about to convince me just by talking to me. That's how brilliant this man was. I'm no Paul. I'm not going to reason with you. I'm just going to love you. But what he does, even in his brilliance, he writes them. And what does he understand about the redemption quality of God's love is that it puts us all on the same level. So if you know Jesus, cool, we're on the same level. I know Jesus too. I'm not better than you. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We need Jesus. They need Jesus. And and if we will understand that, so he doesn't write from this place of superiority and say, I'm the man. I showed up. I presented the gospel to you. No, he doesn't do that. He just loves them and talks about the proof of their love, God's love in them and shown through them. Verse 5 says, for when we brought you good, the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. Well, the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. you brought the good news. Somebody brought the good news to you. Right? Somebody showed you Jesus. They modeled. Maybe it was your grandma. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was somebody. Maybe it was in prison. I don't know. Um, but somebody showed you Jesus, thank God for that, right? And Paul did that for the church here, and he saw that. But what he says here in the second part, it was not only with words, but with power. This, this statement, like, marks Paul's ministry. I wish it would mark ours. Matt Chandler has a great teaching on the, the birth of the, the church in Philippians, you can find the birth of the church in Acts chapter 16 when he's going. And the way he breaks it down, Pastor Chandler breaks it down, is that he shows how Paul connects with the different people. Lydia and this woman, he connects with her probably at like some kind of women's Bible study. And he goes and connects with her on an intellectual level. You know, maybe she was like a socialite or she had a little bit of money that allowed her to study the Bible during the day. She didn't have to work. Maybe she had residual income. And Paul connected with her on the intellectual level. But then as he left, he's, he's, he's attacked by the demon-possessed girl who's following him around and just bothering him. But he doesn't connect with her on an intellectual level. Why? Because she's crazy. <laughs> he connects with her on the power level. In the name of Jesus Christ, be go, be done with me. Her people get all mad, right? They lost the money. She couldn't do the things that she used to do for the for her bosses. So they throw him in jail. They throw him in jail. They know we know that Paul and Silas were praying it down. They were praising God. The, the earthquake came, broke the chains, broke open the prison doors. They could have walked out, but they didn't. The jailer's getting ready to kill himself. And Paul didn't connect with him on he didn't connect with him on an intellectual level, and he didn't connect with him on a power level. He connected with him on a relational level. He was like, bro, we're here. We're here, and 
And that, that, that mark of this is what we see is that the gospel is all of these things. Some of you were, were reached with power. Like a power. Somebody, boom, with fire. Right, and it got you. And some, some you, you were reached on the relational level. You were broken. You didn't have anything. And you were, you were just down and out. And somebody just showed up and they just loved you right where you were and showed you Jesus. Praise God for that, right? So all of these things come together. And however you were reached, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that story. But the biggest part of it is that we're the church. We're the church. We are God's people. We are God's children. No matter how you came, you are, you're on the list. If you know him and he knows you, then you're on the list. But something's got to, something's got to give. And Paul's saying it's not just with words. We don't want just, however you share, maybe you're not a power type of guy. Maybe you're not super enthusiastic. Maybe you're a little bit more gentle. That's okay. But you've got to have some power behind it. It's not your power. Don't worry about it. I think sometimes we mistake like loud with power. I'm nat- naturally just loud. My daughter says I'm really loud and I have a big personality and I'm trying to dial it back. Not really. I like to turn it. I like to turn it up. <laughs> so I'm gonna need you to, to tone it back a little bit. Tone back what? <laughs> I'm turning it up. <laughs> you know, this is about Jesus, right? So we we see this is power. It's the Holy Spirit power. That's what Jesus left with them when he sent the Holy Spirit, the advocate, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Not power to make a whole bunch of money and drive the nicest car and build the biggest house and travel to the finest places in the world. Not that kind of power, but the power to become a witness, to open your mouth and to continue the mission. The Holy Spirit gave you full assurance, not just insurance, but assurance and insurance. Those are two different things, both important. Verse 6 says, So you received the message with full joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. You've heard me say many times that I, I feel like I can say with full confidence that follow me as I follow Christ, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, follow me, follow the example I set as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. But that you should also be able to say that to people. See, what happens when we open our mouths and we begin to share with people and they've never met Jesus, the only thing they know is that you know more than them. Right? That's what happens. And so they they very often are like, they get excited about God because he's exciting and what he's doing. And they start calling you all the time. And eventually you're like, hey, just Read the Bible. <laughs> Get in a connect group. Attend church. Keep worshiping. By, change your music. Do this thing. And you're helping them to what? Follow Jesus. Sometimes they don't know. They just cling to you, which is a great thing. It happens all over Scripture. First Peter says this, though. Chapter 2, verse 21, he said, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. His steps, not my steps. Don't follow me. Follow me, you're going you're gonna to run into a wall or something. I don't need you to be more like me. I need you to be more like Jesus. I need you, I need you to just follow in his steps. I was listening to my friend Charlie when we were talking the other day. He was talking about his, 
His granddaughter said, stay with me. And she's just so close to him. He's like about tripping over her. I wish, I wish I would always stay that close to Jesus. Sometimes he has to go, hey, come here. Like you have to do with your little kids sometimes. Verse 7 says, as a result, you become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout all both Macedonia and Achaia, but listen, listen to this, verse 8. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere. Even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living true God. Listen, yes, come on, give it up for that. That verse 9 is the testimony of a lot of you in this room, but it's going to be the testimony of your friends and family if you will open up your mouth. <laughs> Go. Go. Tell them. There's, there's, there's so many jokes. I wish, I wish there was a mediator. You know how many people are sitting at Homestead? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people right now who are sitting at home going, I wish there was a mediator. I wish there was a, a way to, to peace. I wish I had hope. I wish there was some way to experience real life. I'm tired of all of this and we're sitting here on our hands. There's a, there's a mediator. His name is Jesus. He came and lived and died and rose again in total victory, not just so you could have abundant life, but anybody who wants it can have it. But how will they know if you don't tell them? How will they know? So next week, if we're not careful, we'll look at the same amount of empty chairs because, ah, oh, I don't know. Well, you do know. You just haven't done anything with it. This is the behaviors that, that have to change, right? This is that have to change. And, and people are going to give God glory when they meet Jesus. They're going to give God, God glory. They're going to they're gonna make it happen. Stand with me real quick, but hang on tight. This is the last verse. Last verse. You see, there was something that things weren't perfect for, for the Thessalonians. In fact, they were under persecution. There was some tension some trials, some struggles that they were going through. But there was something, there was something that holding them. There was an expectancy that was holding them that drove them to the enduring hope that Paul wrote about earlier. There was something there that kept them locked in. And this is what it is right here. It says, and they, talking about the ones you, they were ministering to, speak of how you are looking forward to the coming God's son from heaven. But I get the sense that sometimes you're, you're really just not all that excited about him coming back because you love the world too much. If you cling on to this thing, all it will do is wear you out. There's nothing in this place. It's all fake. All the love the world talks about is fake. It's fake love. It's a facade. All the peace, without God, there is no peace. 
cannot have, it does not exist apart from God. Hope? Hope in what? Hope in this treatment or that treatment or this thing or this diagnosis or this, this doctor, this government, this plan, this president. Hope in that? Really? Anybody ever been let down by any of those things? Yeah, all the time, every day. Well, how about putting our hope somewhere else? How about putting our trust in somewhere else? In someone else? His name is Jesus, right? They look forward, and we can look forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. Jesus, whom ra- who God raised from the dead, he is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. The same judgment, the same beatings that Job was taking. If I could just get out from under the thumb of God. He wasn't under the thumb of God. God was very much aware of his circumstances. We're so much afraid of pain. That's why we quit. That's why there's no enduring hope. But listen to this. We have to change. And sometimes you have to have pain to change. My friend, Dr. David Cooper, Mount Parent Church of God, amazing teacher. He talked about this a few weeks ago. Blew my mind. He was talking about change and the fact that I thought I liked change until he talked the other day. I was like, you're right, I don't like change. Everything we do, we set up. We set up systems in our life that are designed, what? Not to change. We get people in the system, so we want them to go the course. But sometimes the pain becomes so great that it causes you to change, and you need to change. When the Israelites were in Egypt, they, they were comfortable in their captivity, like a lot of people comfortable in my addiction I'm, function, I'm a functional addict whatever you fill in the blank of what that is if I'm functional I can get my work done and still do this they're comfortable in it but until the pain becomes too great they'll stay in their comfort but sometimes God will allow that pain to come that will bring the change and what happened in the, in, with the Israelites in Egypt is this is that they experienced change when Pharaoh said okay I'm changing the game the formula's changed. Now I'm gonna, you're going to have to double the work with the bricks. That was pain. He introduced pain into the, what was comfortable. And now they said, okay, well, I don't want to live in this place anymore. I'm willing to take the leap with Moses and be led out of captivity. Some of you have experienced great turmoil in your life. But just maybe, just maybe that pain causes you just enough tension to not let you stay where you are. Amen? God's not trying to crush you. He's trying to save you for all of eternity. And Jesus is coming back. Make no mistake about it. I believe it with everything that's inside of me. I'm excited about it. I can't wait. But until that day, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to shout. I'm going to tell somebody about him. I'm going to make sure that you know and they know and my family knows and that everybody that I come in in contact with, I want them to understand, like, I don't know what it is about you. I'm I'm telling you what it is about me. It's nothing about me. It's everything about him. Jesus is the message. He was always the message. He's still going to be the message. Listen to this real quick. Watch me knee. Great Christian martyr. By the way, they cut out his tongue because he was proselytizing in prison. You ain't going to stop it said this, he said this, that God will answer all of our questions in one way and one way only, namely by showing us more of his son. Some of you are like, oh man, my work is really difficult. Jesus. Oh, I'm having problems with my spouse. You need more of Jesus, right? Oh, the finances. Well, put Jesus first. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? And all his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you, right? My kids. 
Jesus. <laughs> There's one thing that you need more of in your life. It's God, right? It's God. Just get more. There's no limit on this thing, church. There's no limit on him. He wants you to have, I want everything that God has for me. How many of you want everything that God has for you? Praise God. Bow your heads with me today. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that you have loved us so much that you sent your son for us from heaven very, very comfortable spot in heaven to earth to save me did it for me let that sink in, he did it for you so maybe you're in this room today you don't know Jesus, but you want to. There's something stirring in you right now. I believe that's happening right now for some of you. You feel something, and you're just like, what is that? That's the presence of God. He's speaking to you, and he's saying, I want you. I want you. I don't need you to do anything right now. Just give me your heart. Listen, if that's, if that's you today, and you're saying, I got to get things right. I don't know what it all means. Don't worry about that right now. Just worry about this moment and surrendering your heart to Jesus and letting us know we want to help you with the process but right now this is the process slip up your hand and say I, I need him in my life see these hands all over the place Father you know you can put them down pray this very very simple profound biblical prayer say Father I believe say it again I, Father I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Today, everything changes. Nothing will be the same. My life is in your hands. My mind is going to change. My behaviors are going to change. Because Jesus, you are greater. Say it again. Jesus, you are greater. Come on, say it again. Jesus, you are greater. It is your plan for my life that I want. Thank you for loving me and saving me. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for touching lives today. Come on, put your hands together. Father, I thank you for touching lives today. Come on, you can do better than that. We serve a God who's alive. He's coming back to get us, church. I can't wait. I can't wait. But until then, we have work to do. We have work to do. So get it done. Somebody need to let some people in in traffic this week. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want more information about LifePoint or want to get in contact with us, please visit us at www.lpc.is. We hope you have an awesome week. Grace and peace.